He's a natural. So are you suggesting that we set up like a, an annual box folding competition or? No, he's a natural at selling. He's wasted in packing. Well, the box folding competition suggests otherwise, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and he's just got the sales bonus for the Geronimo contracts. I've been texting you. Do you know where Peanuts toothbrushes? Bathroom. I did them in there last night. Oh, there's a green one there. Thought you bought me a new one. <laughs> anyway, we were just talking about you, actually. The talk of the street. 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 Welcome to episode 202 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Conan Street catch-up podcast that hasn't recorded at this time of night in so long, I'm in danger of falling asleep, <laughs> especially during the summer storyline. I'm Gavin. And I'm here to wish everyone a happy Good Friday, especially Jesus. Yeah, he didn't have the best of Good Fridays. A fairly mediocre Friday at best, probably. Anyway. Anyway. Greetings of the season. Yes. Yes. To one and all. We are recording to on celebrate. A, we are recording on a Friday night. Why are we recording on a Friday night, Gavin Broom? Soccer. Yes. Or football. <laughs> if you prefer. As it's known in this house. You've already been to a child's football game. Yes. You're just a- back as from have, one. As, as have you, because you went to one last week. Yeah, I'm talking about today though. Oh yes. Yes. With pouring down rain. It's technically 50 degrees, but with the wind chill, it was like 30 because the wind, it was <laughs> a blowing. Yep. And a blowing. And we were at a different field than typic- than we typically are in Mason, which actually, Steli says, works in her favor because the field that they typically play on is never mowed. No, it's very long grass. Yeah. Lots of daisies. Yeah, they were playing at Rayner Park. And the last time I was at Rayner Park with Steli, it was on a school field trip. And... I was pushing her and her friend on a tire swing. We will get to Corey. <laughs> and her Maybe. F- and her friend threw up. Oh, nice. <laughs> this is like in third grade. She's well, in eighth now. Now, so. see, that has some Coronation Street uh, connections. Oh, don't say that. Don't so, say this. <laughs> so that was one half of it. The other half of it happens at eight o'clock or so tomorrow morning. Oh, we need to leave here at like eight thirty, I think, yeah, to get yeah uh, to get forty five minutes away, right, for a local game. Yes. It's a forty five minute drive. <laughs> <laughs> that would have got me from uh, Alawa to St Andrews. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, America's big, and that's when we normally record the podcast. So the, the the choice was either do it when I get home, right, like early afternoon, which means this probably doesn't go until Sunday, and would be difficult because the other child has. A guitar lesson in the afternoon. Right. Or, and, and you don't notice this, dear listener, because you're you just don't. listening at, at, at your regular time. But, you do. But you need to appreciate that it's my bedtime right now. <laughs> because you're an old man. I like an early night. I like going, I have my little routine, I play my words with friends for 20 minutes, and then I, I fall asleep. I'm usually asleep by by 10 o'clock, certainly by 10.30. And here we are at 9 o'clock. Oh, God, it's 8.30, it. it's not even 9 o'clock This yet. is going to be such a sore one. Yeah, but somebody has to sit up and edit this shit. As is Dear, d- d- dear listener. <laughs> anyway, how are you otherwise? Uh, 
we actually had a we actually had quite a lovely day today. It was nice. We went and wandered around some shops. But Gavin Helen's big day of fun. Yes. Because yeah. both of the day of work. We had yeah, and the kids didn't and they were pissed. <laughs> we had some lovely Thai food for lunch. Yum yum. Anyway. Anyway. Good fun. And I yeah. bought a guitar. Yeah, well you bought another guitar. You bought a bass guitar this time. Yeah. I needed a bass guitar. Yeah. And now I have a three guitar stand that only has two guitars in it. Which means? There's room for another guitar. It's going to have to be filled. Nature abhors a vacuum. Yeah, you need an acoustic. Mm -hmm. Stelly has an acoustic and an electric. You have an electric and a bass. Yeah. We're going to soon have more guitars than people in this house. I'd quite like a ukulele. I'd like a mandolin, which is different, but kind of the same. It's slightly bigger than a ukulele yeah. and shaped different. It's bottom heavy. It's more bottom heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a banjo. A hairy banjo? I already have a hairy banjo. <laughs> Thank you very much. I think what happens is that when we wake up, our uh, banter levels are high and then it kind of dissipates during the day. So this is going to be a long one. <coughs> Remember when we thought the opposite? That our banter was kind of slow in the morning because it was morning and we hadn't had our coffee yet. I think our banter just <coughs> stinks regardless. So, anyway. It's allergy season. I have an excuse. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that hypoallergenic corn news. <laughs> Chocolati. Where did I put my juice? It's right there. Oh, yes, there. It's ginger ale, though. It's not juice. Ambient sound over there on, on Gav's side. ASMR. <laughs> oh, put me to sleep. <coughs> hmm. <clears throat> Simon Gregson was reportedly <laughs> in a bit of a tiff at a pub last Friday. You know it's going to be a good Corey news item when it starts with the word Simon Gregson. And was hauled away by police, hauled. reportedly. He was then hauled in front of Corey Bosses this week to tell him to get his act together or else. Or else what? Reportedly. Right. Evidently, he's only allowed to act like a drunken idiot in front of the camera. Yeah, th- this was... Was this horse racing based? He was, out- he was at the horse... He was at the races, but then he was in a pub afterwards. Yeah. So it might have been pub released. And it's funny because um, Barry Keegan, who played... Um, who was the Joker in the last Batman movie, who is Irish, he was also arrested for drunken disorderly behavior this week, you know, and then almost immediately let go because... Anyway, so... <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. And then there was a, a news item that... Uh, what's his name? The guy who plays Kirk. Andrew Wyman. Wyman, yeah. You know, it, and the headline was... Corey fans delighted by Wyman's um, shirtless drunken antics on TikTok or something like that. And it's like, oh. there's, it feels like there's a double standard here somewhere. Speaking of double standards, oh. our next news item, he's not the only one in hot water with the powers that be at ITV. Oh, Matthew Davidge who has been an extra on the show since 1986. So he's a man in his 50s who has been on the show as an extra in the background, sitting in the Rovers 36 for years. 36 years. 
has been sacked for taking a selfie on set with Good Morning Britain's Andy Peters. It's a bit shocking as people are always posting selfies on set. People aren't I, supposed I, to I have wonder, the cameras on I wonder, set. I wonder why it's different this time. Dot, dot, dot. Are you suggesting that Andy Peters is a bit of a diva? I think he probably no, is. No, because he had no idea. This was not down to him. No. Because the guy politely asked him to take a selfie and Andy Peters said yes and took the selfie and then went on with his day. There is a rule that you're not supposed to have your phone on set. Yes. But if Instagram has taught us nothing, everyone has their phone on set and everyone's taking selfies. I do believe that I've seen a few people in their ITV puffer puffer jackets mm. once or twice. Mm-hmm. I heard that this guy was uh, allegedly on his way to jail anyway. Now, you say that, but not one reputable article that I read this week mentioned that at all. Well, it was alleged. Yeah. So probably not true. Probably not. And probably also part of that dot, dot, dot as to why this is kind of problematic that this particular man yeah, may it, have been. It, it seemed a, a bit of an over overreaction. It's an overreaction, definitely. And it's, it's especially egregious because his agency has also let him go. So it will be very difficult for this 50-something-year-old black man in show business to find work now. <sighs> and finally, as if, as if all of this stuff was good news, the news is now getting just slightly worse. <clears throat> Sad news. Sylvia Lancaster, the founder of the Sophie Lancaster Foundation and a consultant on the Seven Nina attack storyline, has died suddenly this week. Yeah, that was shocking news as just, well, wasn't just, it? Just weeks after... One of Sophie's killers was about ready to be let go early. Yeah. They said that she was had been in ill health for a while, but mm. that her death was not expected. So right. uh, Molly Gallagher posted a really touching comment, you know, on the Twitter about her. And um, who's the actress who played Roy's wife? Uh, Julie Hesmond Hall. Yes. She also posted something as well because she played Sylvia Lancaster in a stage play called The Black Roses. Right. So, and had worked with her about things like this because she knew something about it because she she had been targeted after the whole trans storyline by people. Yeah, I really seem to think that what a weird week as far as Corey News is concerned. Yes, it would be nice to get some good news, but I take what I can get. Right. <laughs> and at least it's not yet another article about one of the former stars of Coronation Street having a baby or getting a show or something, which is never news that you appreciate. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I appreciate any of that. <laughs> well, it is what it is. That's what it is. Controversial <clears throat> news and sad news. And that's Corey News. That's Corey News, and now we'll podcast for coffee. We're on our own this week. <gasps> well, that's fair enough, because neither one of us are drinking coffee at the moment. No. You're drinking a, uh, a, a Diet Canada Dry over there. Loving the high life. And I'm drinking from an A&W... 
root beer restaurant. I don't top. think I've ever been to A&W. Yes, you have. Ever? Yeah, because we went shortly after we got here because I was so excited because we don't have them in Connecticut and you didn't like it very much because it was fast food. Oh. And you were really snotty about food when you first arrived. Oh, you're less it? snotty now. You're still kind of snotty, but you're not as snotty Good. as you I, were. I take to think that changed too much. <laughs> I think your your tastes have changed the longer you've been in America. Yeah, I can eat American chocolate now without, <laughs> without throwing up. And bread. <sighs> no, no, not so much. <laughs> if you think this pile of shit is worth, <laughs> worth anything, more oh than, my God. anything more than your time, <laughs> you can buy us coffee for next week by going to ko-fi.com that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street and we'll be very appreciative won't we Helen yes and now Helen's favourite section YouTube's you know it may be even worse at night I think it's more ethereal at night it's like the mothership's coming to get me (laughs) take me you wish Little, Tell us what's new in the YouTube channel, a little, Helen. A little, a little anal probing for Gav. Be very gentle with me. God, that would get I've us demonetized on YouTube so quickly. The mere thought of it is just that's for our rip, por- ripping that's, money from me. That's for our future Pornhub channel. Only fans, I think. I think. <laughs> anyway, tell us what's new on YouTube. Oh, no, it's me that oh you that. did you did another one of those fifteen minutes of Corey thing. You did like the panel thing. What else did you do this week? I could look it up, but I just can't be arsed. Okay, let me go through it then. This is a section where we talk about what's new on our YouTube channel. We broke through five hundred subscribers this week. Woohoo! Only and we broke five hundred to go. And we broke through two hundred and fifty thousand views, which both of which were my target for the end of April. So Yeah. What are you gonna do that? for the rest of April now? And clean the bathroom. Uh, yeah. Regular stuff. We had last week's podcast. We got last week's Corey in under four minutes and my three favourite clips from this week's episodes. And the extra is another instalment in my series of Corey Life Stories. This week featuring problem gambler and perennial bad driver, Mr. Donald Brennan. Mm. If that tickles your fancy, head over to youtube.com slash the talk of the street podcast, smash that subscribe button and fake a pregnancy with that notification bell. And now, this. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Royale with cheese. Was was this a reference to Pulp Fiction that's on ri- Coronation Street? That's right. This was a guy from the jewelers who pretended to be a cheese merchant in front of David to conceal the fact that Carla and Peter were getting married. So, the, so David said, if you open up your... Uh, briefcase does it shine gold like Pulp Fiction are you royal with cheese mm-hmm. and they all just laughed as David left and then Carla it turned out bought a ring off this guy because this time last year Carla and Peter got married yeah and then we and never, then saw, never saw, saw them, them again, again. <laughs> we see Carla this week we never see them together again I think she's eaten Peter <laughs> he's gone no he was in it a couple of weeks ago yeah and without, without Carla, Carla. Are they the same person? 
It's like you and Batman. You never see the two of you in the same room at the same time. Shush you. If there can be an Irish Joker, there can be a Scottish Batman. Yes, <laughs> I was going and you thought I was talking slowly because I had the COVID. You were convinced I had COVID. We have yet to catch COVID. We're like the only oh, two people left in America. You, why do you say things like this? <laughs> it was my turn to get Moderna in my veins. You talked about MCU TV shows for 10 minutes. Yeah, now we have a podcast for that. <laughs> and that was the preamble. <laughs> Nick has to choose between Sam and Leanne and a flippantly uncharitable comment from Natasha might be enough to make up his mind. Billy witnesses Todd's penchant for manipulation as Eileen and George are nudged together so Todd can make cowboy funerals a thing. Remember, Remember cowboy, cowboy funerals? Kathy's 60th birthday brings a tornado of bad news as fallout from the trolling business continues to rain down on her and Brian. Hope's made-up story about a caravan holiday that didn't happen and Ruby's incontinence forced Tyrone to rethink his living arrangements. Michael's paternity test results are due and the results aren't going to make Ed happy either way. Faye gets some bad news ahead of her sentencing for twatting Adam over the head with a award. Seb is Asha with a man bun when he becomes upset that Nina is capable of having a life outside the relationship. This was when he was trying to uh, go to one of her goth concerts. Oh yeah, I remember that. And he kept on insisting on going for for a start right and then if he was going he had to dress up like a goth well he thought he would have to dress up like a goth because, because people ed, have to get dressed up ed when a and paul convinced him he had to dress up like a goth and when he did nina was like no take all of that off yeah and your pants peter and, <laughs> peter, peter and carla throw caution to the wind ignore any potential ambiguity or fate tempting and put project Endgame into action while Daniel misinterprets his best man duties. Dev is released without charge. Toya conducts a therapy session at the bistro. Sally drops the capers. And Steve Martin lies about cheese. <laughs> Our moment of the week was Peter and Carla getting married. And our boring moment of the week was Hope's made-up story about the caravan holiday. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Shall we dive in, my dear? You know what my and no. my and my blah 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 Permission was pending. going to be, and it wasn't because we went out shopping instead. Mine was going to be, and I saw Joe Jatine in a movie this today. Oh, you did. And, oh, you did. And I didn't because we went shopping instead, and I didn't have time you didn't to get watch a, a movie. To see it. No, so by the time we got back, you were sleeping. So I have to watch, and I had Corey to watch. Oh yeah. So tomorrow I shall watch a movie with Joe Jatine in it. Called Tube Tales from the 1990s. Tube Tales. Tube Tales. Or Tube Tales. So shall we dive in, my dear? The kind that you travel in. still permission pending. Not fallopian tubes. Right. Yes, please. (laughs) Fucking hell. I'm never doing this at night again. We're we're sober. (laughs) We're sober. Our first storyline this morning... (laughs) is the estate of the late Richard T. Chin. (laughs) On Monday, ominously, Kelly's playing with her mum's morphine bottle as Maria gets up trying to come to terms with her mum being as dead as her dad. She wishes she had a chance to speak to her because now she can't because she's dead. Yes. At the furniture thing, Maria is telling Gary how horrible Laura's death was when The Undertaker and Todd show up. They've got Rick and Laura's bodies stacked up over Roberts through the back, so they ask her to get Kelly to decide what she wants do, done with them. Do you think they'll hide Robert's ashes underneath Laura's, underneath Rick's chin? What's that under Rick's chin? It's Robert. 
Yeah, because obviously Rick can't have like an open anything because no. he's been rotting for over for two years now. So a double decker coffin, just sneaking Robert in there just to get rid of him <laughs> finally. But imagine having to deal with a dual f- funeral at what's Kelly sixteen seventeen, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that that I can't I can't imagine one. And I mean we've we've done that. With your mom, mm-hmm. and well, you've done that with both of your parents, but yep. you at least had me for your mom to like hold your hand and stuff. I didn't help you with any of the deciding stuff, but your mom had everything taken care of. But Laura and Rick didn't exactly have a lot of time. Laura had time. Laura could have made this easier for Kelly. See, these are things that people don't teach you how to do at school, no. like how to. How to arrange a funeral. Right. And thankfully, the funeral director does an awful lot of that for you. Yes. Because what, what do I know about arranging a funeral? Right. Because the only experience I had of it before my dad was watching what my parents did with grandparents. Right. And I was too young to really yeah, know absolutely. much about that. So you, the funeral director keeps you... <laughs> the funeral director and Betty... <laughs> everyone needs right. a Betty. Everyone needs a Betty. An old woman who was a friend of the person who's dead. Right. Just to keep you right. And Kelly has none of that, except no. for except for the Undertaker. Right. She she does have him, which is helpful in the long run. Back at the Rose Gold Flat, Gary and Maria mentioned to Kelly the conversation they had with the Undertaker, and Kelly is surprised to find she hasn't the first fucking clue what to do about her parents' remains. I find it hilarious that even the glasses and cups in that flat are the pink. The mugs are pink. I noticed that this week as well. I was like, bloody hell. <laughs> Gary, <laughs> put your foot down about this. Jeez. Gary, you do live here. Right. Somewhere. Maybe he's the one who likes the rose gold. Who knows? <clears throat> then she gets a call from her dad's solicitor requesting a meeting. But because they don't have a set for the solicitor's office, they arrange to meet at the rose gold flat. So the solicitor comes over and tells Kelly she's a sole beneficiary. I've wondered if Kelly had a brother. I thought, did we not get a mention of a brother at some point? No. Must be me. I think you're thinking of Emma. Yes, that's what I'm pointing <laughs> off. Emma has a brother that we never see. Steve has a brother we never see. There are people... Don't, don't start going through people who have brothers. <laughs> that we never see. That's the important part. <clears throat> Kelly isn't interested, but Gary's keen for a number to be put on it. And the estimate comes back at £380,000. Now, Laura paid a detective to, to find out how much... Uh, to find Rick's money. That, that detective didn't do a very good job when he well, could have just called. No, 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 no. This is Rick's legitimate money. Laura thought that he had plenty of illegitimate money. But her whole concern supposedly was that she wanted to make sure that Kelly had something to fall back on. Because that's 380k a lot, that's the house. No, it's 380k plus the house, which they haven't valued yet. No, I don't think it Remember was Remember the, the solicitor says that they haven't valued the house yet. But they reckon that it's all those wads of cash that's that you a, had in the safe and all that sort of stuff. That's a big house. It was a nice looking house. Yeah. I like your house. <laughs> oh, remember when we used to do that? <laughs> no, let's not do that. <laughs> Kelly's dumbstruck. Ka-ching, says Gary. He tells Kelly that this will set her up for life, but she wants no money that came from another person's misery. Gary offers to go scope out the house to see if it's okay, whatever that means. And Kelly gives him the green light. So creepy Gary goes round to Rick Jin's house to have a good old creep and probably knock one out in the potted plants. Gary gets back home. Oh no, he sees uh, some 
some pictures of right. the and a Kelly. golfing trophy. What's a golfing trophies? And somebody is there. There was not nearly enough mail on that floor for someone who died two years ago. Well, somebody's been. Somebody had to have been there. You think it was Sharon? We don't see Sharon at the funeral. I, I, I expected Sharon to show up at the funeral. I guess it has to be Sean. Who else can it be? But if it was Sharon, if Sharon was aware oh, that... Oh, do you know what? Maybe all that mail is two years old. And just nothing and else has shown up? Stopped, right. That can't possibly be because I know... Uh, I We were getting mail from my grandfather Oh, see, like you're trying to years. apply real life to this. Right. I, I keep forgetting. Right. <laughs> uh, so Gary gets back home with a big black box of pink sentimental keepsakes that he found for Kelly. There are soft toys. There's a hospital bracelet from when she was a baby. There's some slippers. The slippers. There's his chin. It's, it's <laughs> all, her, her it's all, chin. all too much for Kelly and she runs away. And she goes to the community garden and through her tears she remembers that she had the foresight to lift her mum's bottle of morphine. And she opens it up and is ready to get wired into it when Abby appears out of nowhere because it's a crisis. She's an expert on drug abuse and intervenes, suggesting there's enough morphine there to kill her. Mm-hmm. Kelly tells Abby that Laura the Chin is dead and she has no one left. Mm-hmm. Except, of course, Gary and Maria and Liam and Imran and Toya. Yeah. And Stu, who we haven't seen in weeks. Where is Stu? Well, I think I spotted Stu. Let's see if we can find them together. <laughs> Abby jumps at the chance to talk about herself and all the mistakes that she made about Seb and the twins, Proctor and Gamble. Answers are not found in the bottle of morphine, she says, and she continues to talk about herself, and with Kelly distracted, Abby pinches a bottle from Kelly's lap and stuffs it in her pocket. Abby takes Kelly home, explaining to Gary that she caught her about to nick her mother's morphine. Abby leaves before Emma can ask for the bottle back, and angry, Gary explains how upset he, Maria, and Liam would be if anything happened to her. She's part of the family now, and they ain't going anywhere. Right. Abby runs into Leanne and Devs, and Leanne holds nothing back, and she hypocritically gets stuck in here. <laughs> You're a cheat and a junkie. Says who? Says Leanne. Says Leanne. About? Abby. Abby. Right. And... <laughs> Being adopted is about the best thing that Alfie can hope for. So many people are hypocritical this week. Yeah. So many people are hypocritical, especially about the Abby storyline. So much hypocrisy. It's just redonkulous. Yeah, we're not long off the back in classic Corey terms of Leanne being a little bit too familiar with the okie doke <clears throat> that she bought from Jez Quigley, who just got off with the murder of uh, Tony Horrocks. Classic Corey's good right now. So, at home, Abby is weepy after her run-in with Leanne as she goes through photos on her phone of Seb and the twins, Ben and Jerry. She looks ominously at the bottle of morphine and this will become very important in another storyline. On Wednesday, the undertaker accosts Kelly and Maria on the street to announce that he's got a vacancy opened up on Friday if Kelly's interested. Now, the church... Has a has an opening. Let's 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 be clear here. It's not the funeral parlor that has an opening. It's the church, and that makes sense because considering the street that it's on, does it make sense? Are, people are canceling weddings all the time. Oh, and christenings. Bobby's no did after all. No, because churches do more than just funerals. Oh, right. Yeah, I see what you mean. the church, <clears throat> not the funeral home that has the open slot. Okay. This is on Wednesday, though. Yeah. So there's a slot on Friday. Yeah. Now, the Undertaker hasn't started doing anything yet. No. But reckons that he and Todd can 
knock this out in a couple of days. Well, I mean, it doesn't take very or long. Or a day. It's a day in soap terms. It, 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 it's not like they're going to be doing anything with Rick's corpse. There's, there's going to be no preserving. None of that. There will be no, you know, a bit removing. Too late. It's a bit too late <laughs> a bit to too be late for that. removing the fluids and pumping, you know, preservatives into him and stuff. It's too late. It's just like it's just a, a chin in the box. Of, it's a bag of sludge at this point. It's a chin in the box. Kelly hasn't a clue. Maria tells him to take her to back all the way up here and give the lassie some time. Get all the way off her, up off her back. Row, row, row. Row. Later at the Rose Gold Flat, Gary thinks that getting the funerals over and done with on Friday is probably a good idea. Maria warns against pushing Kelly if she doesn't want to go. And about that, now that Maria is a fancy counsellor, maybe she shouldn't go either. And Gary is appalled. They both need to be there for Kelly. Mm-hmm. Later, Kelly comes in. She's decided that she wants to do Rick the Chin's funeral on Friday and Laura the Chin's the following Wednesday. Isn't that convenient? Yeah. Can you imagine if she wanted it, oh, I don't know, on a Tuesday <laughs> or a Thursday? She couldn't do any of this without Gary and Maria, so Maria is guilty didn't attend the funerals after all, and Gary is grateful. Families come first. Even though... I suppose so, says Maria. Kelly is borrowing her one fancy blouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we don't get to see because she's wearing her coat the whole time. That's the one thing in that flat that isn't rose gold. <laughs> On Friday, it's Rick's funeral, so we can expect to see Billy later then, I would imagine. <laughs> Kelly, again, is very grateful to Maria and Gary. She goes off to get ready while Maria asks if Gary's okay attending Rick Nealon's funeral. You must have not been imagining that this was going to happen, says Maria. Mm-hmm. At the church, there's no one there except Gary, Maria, Kelly and the undertaker. Well, it was a rushed job, although... Some family was told, but they couldn't get there in time. Apparently. And the undertaker has another another person there who's not Todd right. to help him. Not anybody we've seen before. No. Gary is worried that some cronies might turn up. Uh oh. Looking for some. Pointing the finger at the at the Gary. Right. But they all go in. But it isn't Billy who does the service. It's a right reverend homeless stew. <laughs> Only it's not. It's just. It's homeless shoes, brother. It's a priest who also has fabulous. Who is also a fabulous silver fox. Then two ruffians come in, and one of them walks up to the coffin and spits in it. Yes. And it's a, it's a big old hawker. It's a yeah. Hawk. I was like, really? I don't appreciate having to see this. It's one thing to see somebody go, and you know they're going to spit. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see the spit land on the coffin, thank you. Gary's outraged and decks a guy. Good for you, Gary. Yes. He throws the thugs out of the church and there's some paps in a bush that take photos of Gary and Maria. Kelly has done a runner. See, this is what Maria was worried about. Right. The but pap- getting caught by the paps. Which? But not like Really? That. Is, is this how slow is the news day in Weatherfield where we're, we're taking photos of, of Maria at the funeral of Rick the Chin? I suppose he was like a bad guy and it was probably quite quite the story to find the body and stuff but come on yeah they, these are not out, the kardashians i think he made himself out to be a, a reasonable businessman yes he was just he gave people loans who needed right money in a hurry and he was very loving with his plant right kelly gary finds kelly on a bench in the graveyard he apologizes for losing his rag kelly thinks this is her dad all over Gary says, no matter what, our dad loved her, but everyone has a darker side they'd prefer to hide. And, and in the background, it looks like the pallbearers <laughs> are giving Rick the Chin a tour of the cemetery. Yes, Because they walk one way, and then they walk back another way. Yes, they did. <laughs> it was so weird. It's like, 
does sir prefer this plot? The park view? Or this plot over here? Or the road view? I'm sorry, sir, I didn't hear that. <laughs> you have to speak up, sir. I can only hear your chin. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Kelly wishes she'd known that he wasn't worth caring about and she goes off to say goodbye properly and asks Gary to go with. So Kelly goes to the graveside and reminisces about Blackpool and throws in a stick of rock into the grave and she goes off while Gary has some words of his own to say. Can whoop, you? Whoop, whoop, says Gary. <laughs> and he takes a shit in Rick's grave, <laughs> promising to take care of Kelly better than Rick the Chin did. Now, what is a stick of rock? A stick of rock is uh, a traditional holiday candy that is, it's a hard, uh, it's, if you if you bite into it, you're going to lose a tooth or two. So it's like a peppermint stick, but flavoured differently. Yes, although it does taste kind of pepperminty. Okay. It's a minty flavour to it, and it, it normally has some writing that's through the rock that says Blackpool or somebody's name. Okay. It's a it's a it's a favourite when you go on to to the seaside. It. It's a big stick that UK. you suck on all day. Yeah. yeah. It's an all day sucker. Yes. <laughs> and that's all I've got to say about that. Ah. Uh-huh. Kelly's late getting home though. She went to meet the guy who gobbed on. Rick's coffin uh-huh. She went to apologise And it turns out That he's a sweet guy He's got a daughter That's about the same age As Kelly mm-hmm. And uh, and is sorry For spitting in front Of a lady Yes Not Maria Gary right. is appalled And leaves in a hurry And we all think That he's going to go And have a word with this guy Right And sort him out Yes because Because Kelly has forgotten The tea bags She was supposed to be getting Yeah so when Gary Comes back He's got the tea bags Yay tea bags And he explains to Maria That he was going to go And see that spitting block But he changed his mind Maria tells him That all that matters now Is Kelly And getting their lives Back on track And then she finds That she's suddenly got Shitloads more followers On Insta Just in the last Couple of minutes How does that happen Oh also Gary was over At the house And has apparently Called Ed To get Ed and Paul Over there To fix it up a little bit was that what that was? Yes. Because he mentions Paul. Oh, right. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's that storyline for this week. Yes. So that's us. One half of the funeral's done. Yes. And another funeral to look forward to next week. I do like a bit of a punch up at a funeral. Well, I think we, I think, I think this may not be the last time Gary punches someone. <laughs> at a funeral. At a funeral. In the month of April. In the month of April. It's, it's possible it might happen again. You'd think that Laura would have more friends... Yes, but then again, nobody came to visit her in the hospital but Gary. I always got the impression that she was kind of a a lady of what lunched society kind of sex in the city type person. No, she kind of seemed like she wanted to be that kind of a person, but the society ladies never let her in. So she kind of said, oh, fuck right. you to them and started wearing her hair like Taylor Swift. Yep. And oh. occasionally Katy Perry, right. as we learned this week. And all of Kelly's friends thought she was hot shit. Because remember, Kelly was at that private school and she hated it because people treated her poorly because because her dad was just a lowly businessman. Yeah, she didn't have the right kind of money. Right, yes. Do you find it kind of ridiculous that that big massive house was just sitting there and Kelly was homeless? Yes. And that all of that money was sitting there and Kelly was homeless? Yes. <laughs> Nobody thought to call Rick's solicitor then again nobody knew that Rick was dead I think you kind of have to officially be dead but she must know where this house is you'd think that she would have gone to this house and knocked on the door you'd have thought she had a key for it yeah one would think so all those times that she was letting homeless stew 
getting at the barbers and sleeping the floor in the barbers. So it was this perfectly good house that she could have been right. letting them go and squatting if yes. he wanted to. Yeah. We're not meant to be asking that question, I guess. No. But it is kind of obvious. Yes. <sighs> and also, just as much as Kelly could have been there, Flora could have been there as well. Right. Well, weren't they separated already? No, I, I don't think so. Were they? But yeah. you. No, they weren't because he just left. Or supposedly. Right, yeah. And she's supposedly just living with friends when she has a house. At least Daniel's made up house. They had the good grace to wait a little while before they, they sprung it on him. And at least it wasn't in town. Right. But this seems to be fairly local, obviously. Right. They built a set for it. Did they? <laughs> that was just somebody's house that they went to, though. I don't think that was a set, was it? Just somebody's house. It was a nice house. Yeah. Well, they had to pay somebody to film in their house. Yeah, that was the location, I think. Anyway. Yeah. I kind of thought that one of those ruffians was going to say something a bit too much to Gary. Mm-hmm. And uh, blow the gaff. Because mm. didn't Gary realise that he was one of the the people that owed him money or some such? I don't think so. God, I'm just making up lines that I'm, I'm hearing And now. totally forgetting other things. Right. Oh, well, that's what happened in my head anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was Gary saying that this is it. Right. This is it done. He's he's buried now. Yeah. He's got away with it. Right, yeah. We've and waited for two years for something to come with us. He's this. gonna do better by Kelly than Rick ever did. Yep. Supposedly. That's it. Yeah. You now can. we've just got the roof to uh, to cross off. <sighs> Although I don't think anybody's even I don't think Gary even remembers doing that. <laughs> that he was a roof ninja. Didn't he kind of cop to it a little bit? But he said it was Rick the Chin's fault. Yeah, he blamed Rick the Chin. Yeah. Anyway, Eddie. let's move on to our next storyline this morning, this evening. <laughs> Remember Today. we used to do the opposite, where you'd say this evening when it was this morning. Yeah, oh, how you laughed. Oh, how we laughed. This is Daniel Osborne's big school trip. <laughs> I Can I just, from the all things, say, I hate what they did to Mrs. Crosshaw this week. Oh, hate it. Yeah, well, let's see if we hate it for the same reason. Hate it a lot. On Monday, over breakfast, Daniel announces to Daisy that even though it's holidays, he has to go into school. He's trying to impress, so he gets kept on, especially after that inappropriate sexual advances thing. So he's volunteered to help organise a school trip. If anything's happening in the school, Daniel's involved in it. Yes. So he goes to school, surprised to there see There are this, no other teachers there. It's just him and Mrs. Crawshaw in this meeting, and even more surprised when she breaks down and starts to cry. Daniel thinks it's because they have to organise a trip, but she announces <laughs> that her husband has left her. Well, this isn't awkward in the slightest, says Daniel. Yes. She's mortified, and he tells her what happens in the classroom stays in the classroom. Because the classroom is Las Vegas. Yeah. That's a strange thing for somebody who was suspected of sexual impropriety with a, a young student to say, isn't it? Uh, a wee bit, but Mrs. Crusher doesn't seem to notice. He tells her not to worry about the trip and promises that he can organise it himself. Crawshaw is up out of her seat with her jacket half on before he's finished talking. So long, sucker, she says, and after leaping to clip her heels in the air, she runs off giggling. This is so awkward, says Daniel. Yes. Later, Daniel explains all this to Nikki. Nikki could do with a leg up as well with the bosses, so she offers to help Daniel organise the school now, trip. Now, why is he in Nina's roles 
with Nikki when at the beginning, very beginning of the storyline, when he explains to Daisy about this, you know, about having to go in, she says, well, just you come home afterwards and I'll greet you at the door wearing nothing but my knockoff Jimmy Choo's. Oh, because apparently this is an episode of Sex in the City from <laughs> the 1990s again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Properly. The 1990s. Thank you. <laughs> Later, Daniel explains a list of not. Yeah, we're, we're in with Nikki instead of having sex with Daisy in her, in her Jimmy Choo's. Daniel agrees, but has an expression that says Daisy is going to fucking kill me. On Wednesday. Also, we get to see Nikki's kid for the first time ever. Is that the first time ever? Yeah, I think, I think so. so. Yeah. On Wednesday, in Nina's rolls, Mrs. Crosher comes in, who seems to scare Roy when she wants to suck on one of his lovely eclairs. She asks <laughs> Daniel for an update on the Edinburgh trip plans. That's because Roy's heart belongs to Evelyn. And Daniel would be happy to, but he has to quickly rush away and start working on the Edinburgh trip plans. Daisy comes in to catch the end of this, learning that Nikki is also working on the plans. She's not happy. Dum, dum, dum. So she challenges Daniel on this, and Daniel apologises, blaming Nikki and saying, that, look, it's going to save me a ton of time in the long run. Isn't Nikki well, a treasure? More time Daisy. that I can spend with you, Yeah, supposedly. Daniel and Nikki are discussing the terrible idea of him wearing a kilt to the school trip. They see Beth and Kirk. So and this- Nikki correctly points out that this would be cultural appropriation. Well, plus she's seen his legs. Because he's not Scottish. Oh, I lived in Edinburgh. I lived there. <laughs> they see Beth and Kirk, so decide to go back to the flat to discuss the trip plans rather than walking by them to get to the pub. Right. Da- Daniel is brave. Right, because because they know about Nicky. Yeah, Kirk, Kirk, I think, particularly knows about Nicky. Yeah. And everyone's afraid of Beth. Daniel was um, fraternising with a, a sex worker while his wife was still warmish in the ground right so kirk but at least that. at least she was dead at this point it's not like what he did with bethany that's true at the flat planning for the trip seems to be looking at edinburgh tourist books nikki nips off for a shite just as mrs crosher comes in with wine and a desire to get her whole call me orla call me oral orla says mrs crosher mrs crosher you're trying to seduce me says daniel then in comes nikki from her shite mrs crosher says nikki orla says daniel miss sweetly says miss crosher nikki says nikki and embarrassed mrs crosher runs Dr. away Frankenfurter leaving her wine daniel. on the on the on the rocky, table rocky shouts orla mm, shouts nikki now why do you hate this this isn't the end of the storyline yet but well, yes uh because this is a complete 180 from the character of Mrs. Crosshaw we've seen thus far. And liked. Yeah. Well, well kind of. She was all right. I mean, she was kind of a bitch about the whole... She's useless. But... Upli- uh, ...upskirting thing, you know, and trying to blame the girls for it and stuff. Right. Just to try to keep her job. But, yeah, she's always been... She's always seemed like a level-headed... Uh, focused on her job no nonsense sort of woman and yet the second her husband leaves she turns into a blubbering mess and tries to knock boots with roy and then daniel yeah i mean that's this is those are two names that you don't initially think are going to crop up in the same sentence when when thinking of a a middle-aged woman looking to get some cock yeah there's also a wee bit of ageism here isn't there with the way that daniel and nikki react 
Well, Nikki, Nikki especially. Nikki. Daniel isn't, isn't amused by this. He, no, he's very embarrassed. But Nikki thinks it's hilarious that a woman in her 50s would, would be sexually interested in anyone, much less Daniel. The thing is that Mrs. Croshaw says, you know, I, I think we're far beyond the Mrs. Croshaw bit. Right. And then Daniel says... I'm sorry if I've given you the wrong idea. And I'm like, what scene have I missed here where, where he gave any her the idea wrong was idea. given? He was nice to her. What mature woman thinks that a man being nice to her, especially a man who works for you, means that he wants to be intimate with you? And he was only nice to her out of an awkwardness about the situation. Right. This is going to be easier if you're not here, basically. Right. Yeah. So beat it, and I'll take care yeah, of this. Just, I just can't. I can't it, be in this room with you right it now. It makes her into this blubbering mess who cannot read social signals and who confesses that her husband used to say that she can't read social signals. And I was like, really? There's never been a time until now that I've ever seen Mrs. Crawshaw seem to take social signals wrong. Yeah, that's a good... What is going on here? That's a good attribute of someone working high up in the school system, isn't it? Right, Somebody who's yeah. unable to read people. Right. And who talks too much and says the wrong thing. I always thought that she was a lesbian. And I thought that she was going to be Gandati's partner. I think lots of people thought that. Who knows? I'm really disappointed that she's this not. Is the, well, I'm, I'm disappointed in a lot of things in the storyline. I think it's so ridiculous and inappropriate. And just making a character different... And sad and desperate for a laugh. Because that's all this is, isn't it? This is not... Well, I think this is, again, a kind of victim of the the success of the character. Because I think, as a character, Mrs. Crawshaw has been uh, well-received by the audience. Mm-hmm. This probably wasn't expected. No. So the show, you know, here's a character that's getting some positive uh, comments against her. What can we do with her? To fuck it up. Yeah, because we can't just let her be this uh, reasonably anonymous assistant head in a right in a, in a inner city right. high school. Right. So now we have to give her uh, things that are affecting things of, of from outside her right. school life that are affecting her her school life right. now, which is she was always a character where these are very separate things. Right. And the fact that she met her husband on a like a singles cruise, right? This is none of this makes sense. None of this makes sense for this character. Yes, so at st- all. stop ruining Mrs. Crawshaw. Right. She was fine just the way she was. Right. And I don't see what this is adding to the Daniel storyline because it's the not. Daniel and Nikki and Daisy right has enough people in it. I think the only thing that it's sort of added to, but it was dissuaded very quickly, is Daisy walking in. And maybe misinterpreting what Nikki is talking about right. there. This but very a- quickly, Nikki says, you know, implies that it's it's not Daisy that they're talking about, that something else has happened very awkwardly. Yeah. And this- it involves this bottle of wine sitting here with a screw top, which also is not something that I think Mrs. Crawshaw would have bought. Oh, you're a wine snob. Funny for a sober person. <laughs> Nikki thinks this is hilarious, what you've said, and tells him to let Orla down gently, which he'd already done. Right. Just as Daisy comes in, curious to know what they're talking about, pour me a large glass and I'll explain it all to you, says Daniel. Right. Still 
kind of being somewhat mysterious. But also, uh, but also still being kind of a dick, like, oh, I'm so traumatized by an older woman finding me attractive that I need you to pour me a large glass because it's so traumatizing that an older woman finds me attractive. Hmm. On Friday, Fucking A, the storyline. <laughs> and then there's rolls on Friday. Daisy meets Daniel and suggests that they do something nice. And then Nikki comes out from doing another shite, which puts the kibosh on Daisy's plans. They're still planning for the Edinburgh trip. Edinburgh took less time to build than the trip <laughs> took to organise. Thanks, Daisy. Allowed. At the Rovers, Daisy is destroying the pub because she's so angry about Daniel. Jenny tells her to think of the glasses and calm the fuck down. Won't Te- anyone think of the glassware? Tell Nikki how you're feeling. Kill her? Asks Daisy. <laughs> no, tell her how you're feeling. Right. So Nikki comes into the rovers looking for Daniel. Daisy wants a word in her shell like, let's get to know each other a little bit better. So they go through the back and Daisy admits to feeling jealous of her. Nikki insists very quickly that she's not a homewrecker and she's not a cheater and she wouldn't be friends with Daniel if he was one. She tells Daisy... No, she wouldn't, be, she wouldn't find him attractive if he was one. No, same difference. They're still friends. She tells Daisy if he was a cheater. No, well... Because she admits that she she was attracted to him, but she wouldn't want him if he cheated. She tells Daisy that she's got a good one there, and she doesn't have to worry about her. Bye then, says Daisy. Right. (laughs) Never once bringing up the fact that the thing that Daisy's really annoyed is here they are on their Easter holidays, and she she hasn't been able to spend any time with him. Mm. What she needs to have said is, look, I understand you guys have to organize a school trip, but would you mind just letting me have my boyfriend for a couple of hours? This weekend. That's what she should have said. Because that's what annoys her the most. Mm -hmm. Is not getting to spend time with him. This has not solved that. No. But he should be man enough to to say to Nikki that we're just doing this for an hour in the afternoon and then that's it. You you haven't met Daniel before, have have you? I have. I have very strong feelings about Daniel. Daniel, the one who had to have people explain to him why maybe it was inappropriate to be focusing so much attention on summer and how summer how someone summer's age might have misinterpreted all of that he's clueless yes but he he was he willingly was railroaded by nikki and helping out because he knew that this wasn't a good idea and he just completely folded well he messed up by meeting up with nikki for some reason in nina's roles instead of going home and getting his hole with daisy which is what he was supposed to do after this whole thing with crawshaw mm-hmm. she had her shoes on and everything right her jimmy shoes her fake jimmy shoes yes her knockoff jimmy shoes she's an influencer she is should she be wearing she's, knockoffs well she can't exactly afford real jimmy shoes but not also mu- not much of an influencer then. but also again jimmy shoes are you know, we're popular in the 1990s. Yeah, it's all, it's all Skechers these days. Oh, we didn't go to Skechers. We didn't. I spent enough money, it's fine. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm still baffled by the whole Crawshaw thing. I, that can't be it, it's, can it? It's despicable what they've done to that character. I am not a fan. It's, it's like the times that they make Mary awkward because she finds adam attractive and we're meant to laugh at at silly mary who thinks she has a chance with adam of all people so i do think that's funny because it's it's her it's her kryptonite adam is her kryptonite yeah but also it's haha this woman who's not traditionally attractive wants to get it on with this 
younger and attractive man. Isn't that hilarious? Oh, he gives out he gives out enough. Well, because he's Adam. But anyway, this this sort of storyline. I miss I miss bits like that. The, this sort of storyline where an older woman gets her signals crossed with but, a younger man, and, and is here seemingly despicable. for no reason. Yeah, just for a laugh, it seems. Oh well, moving on then to our next storyline is the Roy's Gambit. On Monday, Nick gets a text from Jelena's dad asking Ooh. if Sam wants to. Oh, it's staying here. Do you want to play? Chess. Do you want to play chess? Ooh. That doesn't sound like something you'd be interested in. Ooh. Nick wants to host at the bistro, but Sam is insistent that they play at Nina's Rolls so Roy can be there. Fine, whatever, says Nick. Then Hope comes along and does something that Nick so far hasn't. Shows an interest. She's coming along too. Right, but she has an interest for all the wrong reasons. Let's not, let's not beat about the bush. And that brings us on to this week's Hard Debate. I've done a hard debate in a while. Mm. It's an unwritten law that when a character learns that Sam plays chess, they have to laugh and say that they can barely get their head around a game that isn't chess. But which game will someone laugh and then claim to barely be able to get their head around next? Buckaroo. Guess who? Cards Against Humanity. Or Twin Peaks, the game, which is an actual thing. The voting was thus. Twin Peaks, the game, 7.5%. What? Guess who... 22.5%. Cards Against Humanity, 25%. But the winner, with a stonking 45%, was Buckaroo. The only one that I didn't know what it was. It's There's a, a, a donkey or a mule that's put on a on a, a kind of lever. And you have to put items on the mule's back. And once the weight gets to a certain amount, the mule kicks everything off. And that's Buckaroo. And that's you you've lost. So it's kind of like Jenga, I guess. Or like... But a, with a mule. Don't break the ice. Don't know what that is. Yeah. Didn't we get buckaroo? No, no buckaroo. Hmm. So anyway, Hope's shown an interest. And uh, Tyrone, barely able to play dominoes, which does not surprise me because he right. can he count. Wow, Sam plays chess. Oof. I can barely get I, my head around I can barely, dominoes. I can barely breathe. <laughs> Tyrone, another hypocritical person on the street this week. And Nina's why? Next storyline. Oh, okay. And Nina's rolls. Sam tells his dad to fuck off. So Nick asks Roy to keep an eye on him and Jelena. All right, that's me going then, says Nick. And Sam just ignores him. Hope is less than impressed with the game. I thought you were good at this. This is so boring. Sam is getting his arse handy to him when Jelena gets a call from her dad that says she has a dentist appointment, but she'll be back. Roy asks if everything is okay and Hope is pleased to point out that the reason Sam is playing so badly is because he fancies an axe of this Jelena character. Now, if Jelena's dad knew that she had a right. the dentist appointment, right. why not wait until after the dentist after appointment, the dentist appointment to drop her off in the first place? Yeah. And why does that man never get out of the car? Exactly. <laughs> My dad's outside. Is he, is he though? He texts you that he's outside without parking the car and coming in to get you. Mm-hmm. Is he embarrassed to be seen with her? Sam says his feelings about Jelena are confidential. Hope thinks that she probably isn't disgusted by him and she fancies a young man named Tommy who can belch the alphabet. Hope is interested yes. in Tommy. Yes. Not Jelena. No. Roy advises that for affairs of the heart, he's probably better speaking with his dad. Sam's dad, not Roy's dad. Roy's dad's dead. So Do we appears- know that for sure? Of course he is. <laughs> 
So Nick appears and explains to Sam that when a man and a woman love each other very, very much, much, they get certain urges to play chess. He explains that Jelena's coming back and it's probably more for those baby blues than it is for his chess prowess. Cheers, Dad, I think, says Sam, and Nick is so happy that he's been somewhat useful in this episode that he starts bawling his eyes out. Because he's had so many shitty relationships, he knows what not to do. That, which is basically what he says to Roy. Roy <laughs> just nods. So Jelena comes back as Nick tells Roy that all his years of disappointing women have finally paid off. Sam wins and he and Jelena arrange to play again tomorrow. And call she also me. says, call text, me. no, she says, text me. Text me, she says. Nobody says call me anymore unless no. they're in their 80s. The 1980s? And not even the 1980s. Well, that's confusing. <laughs> well, that was lovely. It was sweet. I, I, I think we've had enough chess for a while now, right? Yeah. It's very sweet. I'm concerned that Hope has ulterior motives here, though. Oh, don't get all Charlie Millward on me that she's going to kill... No, no, but why is she so interested in Sam's love life? Does Do Hope think? fancy Sam? Or are they just good friends? No, I think because she's spoken about this Tommy character that she seems to have the hots for. Right. Or does Hope... Fa- well, she also says that she has many fanciers. That there are many, many, many bidding for her hand. Does Hope fancy Jelena? Hope was just there for... Uh, someone for Sam to talk to about his feelings. Right. And to blurt out his feelings to adults in the room. Right. Hmm. That was quite lovely. It was cute. But yeah, this dad's suspicious as fuck though, right? <laughs> He's just like, oh, thank God, finally I'm the, the kid's gone. I can relax and We're, not think about chess for five minutes. Okay, Jelena, we are going to Morocco at three o'clock. So how about I take you to Roy's for a game of chess at 2.45? <laughs> Very strange. Our next storyline this morning, ah, damn it, is Employee of the Week. Okay, I also hated this. You hated this? <sighs> it's It's... An honest-to-goodness story for Kirk. I know, but it's a story where he he bumbles into things and people look at him like he's two and pat him on the head and say, what a good boy you are for doing things, for basically being Forrest Gump in the storyline where he just buggles his way into victory with undercrackers. I don't feel like I have to talk about this now. I've written, I've written the notes I might as well yeah on Monday it. at the Knicker factory Michael's in his Rupert the Bear jacket as Sarah announces that she's introducing a bonus scheme for the person who brings the most new business into the place remembering that it's a Knicker factory and its primary objective is to make money not be a refuge for people who don't work there or come in to speak to people who do I quite liked Rupert the Bear it was on HBO yeah. later Faye and Michael have been on the phones all morning trying to drum up some business Sarah and Beth tell the pair of them to go and take a lunch break and come back refreshed and productive for an afternoon trying to sell knickers to people who don't immediately want to buy knickers. Well, Beth is more concerned about Faye's health. Nobody really cares. She doesn't really care about Michael. Michael is doing significantly better than Faye because of course he is. Yeah. Because he doesn't sound like he's half asleep and stoned all the time. Right. Yeah, Faye's adopting this sound as bored as possible. like to buy some knickers today? She's like old summer. Yeah, a little bit. 
Fane Michael get back from their break to find that Kirk has been answering the phones. Kirk is never to answer the phones. Yes, of course he is. It's like, but they were ringing. It was getting on my nerves. Sarah asks to know what it was about, so Kirk tells her that a big knicker guy is coming in on Friday to meet her personally. Kirk has won the bonus. Huzzah! It's a Mr. Geronimo that's coming in. Well, his name's not really Geronimo. But it's The name of the factory, the name of the company is Geronimo. But on Monday, Sarah basically says, you've won. Right, yeah. And before then, he's even gotten the contract. Right. Then on Friday at the Young Crew flat, Faye is all hit up about Kirk winning this bonus, which I thought he'd already won, and she Do can't be bothered going to work, so instead she decides to get a hold of a Craig. Can we still call it the the Young Crew flat when it's just Faye and Craig there now? I can't change the name once I've given it a name. <laughs> it could be Evelyn and Roy living there. It may be someday. Here's hoping. In the factory, Sarah is bringing Kirk up to speed with the autumn collection, just as Mr Geronimo arrives, very pleased to see Kirk and desperate to see the packaging area and not give a single fuck about Faye or Michael or Sarah. Or knickers. So after Kirk has given them the grand tour, they decide to have a little competition to see who can uh, construct boxes the quickest. Yes. And Kirk obviously wins. Yes. So Mr Geronimo signs the deal because Kirk's a fucking moron. (laughs) How nice, nice to meet a sales guy who hasn't forgotten his roots because he wins a box constructing race. Big deal, little deal, cardboard <sighs> box, says Kirk, and no one knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Not even him. Later in the rovers, Beth thinks that Kirk is wasted in packaging and should be in sales with everyone else. <clears throat> so she goes and she says this to Sarah uh-huh. and, Carla, and Carla. And they don't laugh at her. No, but they do. They are trying to let her down easily because everyone's terrified of Beth. Yeah. Then Kirk comes in wondering where Peanut's toothbrush is. Beth tells him about a non-existent promotion to an office administrator and Kirk is so excited he goes off to brush his dog's teeth, but not like that. But there's also an implication that Beth has already brushed the dog's teeth. No, the implication was that Kirk uses Peanut's toothbrush himself. But she's already brushed the dog's teeth and thrown the dog's toothbrush away. And then Kirk realizes that he's been using the dog's toothbrush because he thought the toothbrush was another toothbrush or something. <sighs> just we've, give the dog a milk bone. That's all you need to do. We've been complaining for some time that Kirk is just a, a stooge of a character who, yeah. is, who wanders in with a yo-yo or just keeps on walking into a wall for like 20 minutes in the background of scenes and that nobody notices he's, he's not there for any story of his own he's just there to fill in some time in other people's storylines he doesn't even form a active part in other people's storylines he's just there to kind of get in the way a little he's bit he's an NPC and, yeah he's a non-playable character and uh, and after saying that for so long for so long this year he finally gets a little sniff at a storyline where he's getting a bonus and stuff and, and it, it's still kind it's of still the same just, kind of Kirk, isn't it? And it? Yeah, it's just that we get more of it. <laughs> right. It's more than just him walking on and off. because. And, like, and this time, it's like we get two of them because this Geronimo character is... Which is not his name. It's the name of the company. It doesn't it's matter. Mr. Something else. You know who I'm talking about. Right, yeah. And then, there's, and then we end the storyline horribly, horribly with Craig shouting... Geronimo, as he goes to put his penis inside Faye. Well, that's how that starts on Friday. At least they kind of seem to have a little bit of chemistry. 
this week. Oh, so we're not talking about the, the Craig and Faye bits of the story. No, we will. But you didn't include it. Well, it's different. That's got nothing to do with employee of the week. Yeah, I suppose. What do you mean you suppose it is? Well, it goes in and out. <laughs> much like Craig's much like penis inside Faye. In and out? Wow. You think he just puts it in and then just does nothing? I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything at all. Yes, that's what, what I'm saying. <laughs> you ever seen them between us? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, I imagine it's kind of like that. <laughs> I don't imagine it. I don't imagine it at all. But see, when, but I, do, when I do imagine it, it's kind of like that. Yeah. I, I mean, think Beth would probably be more interested in the money than she seems to be. The bonus would be... I was surprised that Kirk, who loves packaging, whose whole life is packaging, didn't immediately say, no way, I don't want that. I want a package. That's my life. That's that's what I live for, is packaging knickers. Because <laughs> he's not going to be... And this may be what happens next week, is that he goes, he, he does the whole office administrator thing, sucks at it, hates it because it's not building boxes and wants to go back to his boxes. It'll be like Craig going from the police to boxes and then going from boxes back to the police. What I want is Kirk to be shit hot at sales. I want Kirk to be magnificent and bringing in business into the knicker factory. So much so that they can't have him packing knickers because they need them to be drumming up sales so Faye has to go and do the packing or something like that no this is also kind of irritating because as I pointed out earlier Michael is better at selling knickers than Faye is Mm -hmm. and now Kirk is better at selling knickers than Faye is and and better better than Michael as well but and Toya barely shows up at work it's never there she does show up, but then immediately Sarah says, all right, I want you to stop doing your job and come and sit with me instead. Right. Which we'll talk about, I'm assuming, yes. later. Yeah. Uh, remember how good last week was? Yeah. Seems like how a- great last week was. Yeah. Remember when we were like, ah, oh, a week we can really sink our teeth into. A week where we have many, many options for moment of the week. A week that's just so amazingly acted and written and directed. It was ridiculous as well, remember? It was still ridiculous. But it was was predominantly just... This was not a really, really good week. But um, Last week we got everything everywhere all at once. This week we have Morbius. When... Since since you've been watching Coronation Street, can you think of a storyline that was Kirk-centric? Not just a storyline that featured Kirk in it for a dramatic purpose, because I can think of a couple of them. But when was a, the the last time a story was really about Kirk? And I think I've got it, but it was a long time ago. I remember vaguely a storyline with Kirk in it. Well, there. I kind of want to say the whole Sean Pyramid thing because Kirk was the one who was very, very angry about it and actually was the one person that got that into Sean. That, that, that wasn't, wasn't a story. Kirk-centric story. That wasn't his story. Kirk has been very involved with Maria on occasion. But again, those are Maria storylines. 
no, the ones Kirk is very that, involved in. The ones I can think of is when he was singing songs and went off to... Oh, God, that's right. Went off to, on tour. But that wasn't really a oh. that wasn't really a huge story. That was that was like a half of a Wednesday. No, and it was also like a ha ha. Remember when uh, Wyman went off and did this in real life? It was, but then there was a storyline where he and Beth were arguing about her selling her shares in the new underworld. That's right. But that's 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 the last one I can think of that was a Kirk story. And he was story. quite serious about that as well yeah. and was saying sensible things. Yeah. And that that was years ago. Moving on to our next storyline which is revision 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 diabetes revision revision. Shoot me now. On Wednesday, Billy With insulin. gets up to find Summer asleep on the couch. He's furious because she promised to go to bed at a decent hour. And you've to been, stop doing homework. You've been lying to me. To do homework. It wasn't really a lie. No. Revision, 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 says Summer. Billy worries about her blood sugar. Revision, says Summer. Addy comes over to visit Summer. He hasn't heard from her in a while. Revision, revision, says Summer. All right, easy, Tiger, says Addy. Revision, revision, says Summer. Fine, says Addy, and he leaves in a huff. Billy asks Summer to promise to go for a walk and get fresh air later. Revision, says Summer. Yeah, and Addy was initially going to stay for lunch. And then Billy leaves the room, and Addy says something kind to Summer, and she snaps at him for being kind and concerned about her. Billy gets back from random church stuff and is disappointed to see that Summer didn't go for a walk after all Which because her shins are clean. Clean! Revision, says Summer. Billy bumps into Amy at the bus shelter and asks her to do some revision with Summer for a bit. Slow her down. Stop her burning out. Fair enough, says Amy, who doesn't realise that she's just been insulted. On Friday, <laughs> Billy's back from fresh go with Easter eggs. Amy comes in and asks Summer out for coffee. Revision, revision, says Summer. Bring your fucking books then, says Amy. So Summer finally agrees. Revision, she says. And at Nina's Rolls, Summer is spoiling coffee and cake with Amy by saying revision over and over again. Roy gives them some bacon rolls as market research because he's found a new pig. And so the girls take them and go off to eat them before going to Fresh Ghost to get an egg for Daniel to sit on. Right, and it's obvious that Summer has never read The Great Gatsby. That, that again, this is just, I find it astonishing that this is the kind of question that she's asking. She's Was like, the Gatsby great? Oh. This is this is her A levels. The Great Gatsby, really? Now, granted, I had to read The Great Gatsby in middle school, high school, and college. It's a good book. Yeah, yeah this is a good book. It's probably the best thing F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote. I would say so. Anyway, <laughs> but it's a thin book. Yeah. It's an easy book. And there's plenty of notes on it. Right. And a movie. A couple of them. Because there's like an yeah, there's older a, movie. There's and then Robert there's Redford the, version. There's a, yeah, there's a Robert Redford version, which is good. And then the Leonardo DiCaprio version, which, which is, is shit. Yeah. meh. Tobey Maguire's in it, though. So it, it gets some credit for that. But anyway. <sighs> if, if that's the sort of question that you're having to ask someone, you better be doing some fucking revision. Well, yeah, it's like, really, you're writing it. This is your literature essay. Was the Great Gatsby great? Really? <laughs> That nothing about the floating eyeballs <laughs> or, you know, the the scene with the with Daisy and her husband eating cold chicken while Gatsby peers through the window. None of this. Hmm. Maybe there's something on Gatsby always wearing white. 
Anyway, they stop at the flat to eat bacon rolls and Summer needs Amy to leave so she can get some hardcore revision done now. So Amy leaves. And Summer goes to vomit up the bacon and cakes. But then Amy comes in to get her phone and hears Summer vomiting and immediately, correctly, puts two and two together. Smart Amy. Summer tries to deflect, but Amy will not be deflected. She knows this has been going on for months because she remembers when Summer got some extra candy for Billy's uh, Well, that she claimed was thing. for the soup kitchen. Billy needs to know, and Summer begs uh, Amy not to. Billy is a nightmare about stuff like this, but Amy leaves. And she meets Billy under the bridge and tells him that she's not happy being his spy and decides not to spill the beans on Well, Summer. yeah, she's about ready to spill the beans, and then Billy says some ridiculous stuff about a Team Hush Hush Summer Protection Agency. Yeah, he's a dick. Garbage. Right. Yeah, yeah. He. It, this stops. This is... Billy is his own worst enemy. <laughs> Because this is what makes Amy say, yeah, I'm not telling you shit. Right. So Billy gets home and Summer worries that Amy has blabbed. And when Billy says that Amy was happy as Larry last time he saw her, Summer has to think of another reason why Amy is an untrustworthy whorebag. She talks when I'm revising, says Summer. Well, tell her not to, says Billy. And that's as far as we get with that. Ugh. It's so dull. Yeah, and... It could be a very interesting story. You know, there's there's been a lot of talk about the fact that there are people with diabetes who who develop an eating disorder because because of the insulin and everything and because they put on a little bit of weight with with the insulin and are, are already having body issues because because of the diabetes. Mm. You know, and how nobody ever really talks about that and nobody really ever really talks about uh, diabetes in television and movies. There's There's been a lot of praise for the new Pixar movie, Turning Red, because a number of the kids in the class have insulin patches and, and people with diabetes are like, oh my God, I've never seen myself represented in a movie like this where it's just normal for kids to have insulin patches on their arms. And they just ruin it. They ruin it by covering it all up with stupid revision. She, she's a smart kid. She should be done with this revision. It yep. makes her seem like a dumb kid. Yep. And it, it just... Let's focus on the body issues because that is far more interesting and far more relevant than a nerdy girl who just likes to do homework all the time, which makes no sense. They've kind of killed it by just throwing far too much at her because she had the stress about, remember when she was all stressed out about getting into Oxford and stuff? <sighs> right. And now she's all stressed out about getting her exam results and she's just all stressed out. But on top of the being all stressed out, she's got the diabetes stuff. and she's, you know, it's... I, I don't think this has been working for a while. No. I don't think it started to work at all. No. I mean, the only thing that really went in its favour this week was Amy finding out. Right. Because it, everyone needs a friend like Amy. Right. And then it immediately backfires because instead of doing the right thing and telling an adult about this and maybe Summer can get some help, Amy gets her chin up because Billy's a right. dick right. and says nothing. Which yeah. is going to lead to some bad stuff happening to Summer eventually, probably. But again, nobody cares because she's so annoying about the whole revision thing. People <laughs> watching this, and this is the this is the problem. This is the unfortunate thing. Is here we have this great storyline addressing something. It's the upskirting all over again. We have a great storyline addressing something really important, and it's overshadowed by stupid stuff on top of it. Yep. Let's give us the diabetes story. Yeah, it sticks to that. Jeez, but this 
this, this can't be fun for her. No. Just same revision over and over again. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. It's and just that's awful. The sweater that was like the front of it was like tucked into her jeans in like the first scene, and then it's out of her jeans and other scenes. And I was like, that can't have been intentional that she has it tucked in. But why would it be tucked in if it's not intentional? And then it's out later on, and it's like, oh, why didn't they fix that? Well, if only that was the only thing wrong with it. Right. Our next storyline is impregnating Faye. Uh, Another cracker. On Wednesday, Beth finds... This show needs to stop obsessing about babies. Seriously. It's 2022. Not everybody wants a baby. And not every storyline has to be about women obsessed with babies. Beth finds Craig sitting on a curb. How do you do? He's sad because he and Faye are trying for a baby. And despite it being his idea last week, he doesn't really want to do it because they have no chemistry. Yeah, he's freaked out because Faye has downloaded that ovulation app that Sarah's been raving about in the right. break room over and over. Then don't do it, says Beth. But Faye does want it, says Craig, who hasn't a fucking clue about anything. At the factory, Beth is tormented because she doesn't want to say anything, but she can't help herself. And she tells Faye about the conversation she had with Craig and that he doesn't want her stinking baby. And Faye is astounded. Then Beth sees Craig later and confesses to him that she spilled her guts to Faye about him not, not wanting to knock Faye up. So back at the flat, Craig does his smooth talking to Faye, insisting that he really does want to get Faye knocked up. But again, she doesn't explain it very well. She just says he doesn't want to have a baby with you. She doesn't mention all of the really kind of deep stuff Craig was talking about, about how he saw the way his mother struggled so much when he was younger, which he appreciated, but he doesn't want to put Faye through something like that and that he wants his relationship with her to be a bit more stable and more truthful. He also wants to make a real go at being a corrupt cop. Right. You know, there's this whole speech that Craig does, which is very touching and interesting. And it's like, oh my God, they gave Craig good lines this week. And then Beth just kind of says, he don't want your baby. It's like, really? So Craig insists that he really does want to get Faye knocked up. Really, says Faye? No, says Craig. <laughs> good, says Faye, because neither do I. And Craig looks shocked. And Craig says, what? To his very foundation. Faye and Craig agree that the fact that they can't be honest with, with each other means that they're probably not ready to have a baby. Craig is... Yeah, think? Craig thinks that this means that his mum was right all along about something, so something isn't right in the universe and it needs to be fixed. So Craig and Faye go into the rovers and pretend to have broken up in front of Beth. Why? I know, but is they this haven't. meant to be funny? They were just teaching Beth a lesson or something. Stop interfering in our relationship, says Craig. How about you stop telling your mother everything, says Beth. And they all laugh. And that's as far as we get with that this week. And then Craig shouts Geronimo. (laughs) Again, I really liked Craig's little talk with Beth. Yeah, that was good. I thought that was really nice. You know, the two of them just sitting down and, and having a frank discussion about what Craig wants for his life and everything. And Beth genuinely seeming to listen to him. And also to be touched with what he says about how he saw her struggle and that he appreciates it, but he doesn't want to put Faye through something like that. Right. You know, it was it was this lovely, intimate scene between a man and his mother. And then they just immediately fuck it up again <laughs> with the whole, oh, we're going to teach my mom a lesson. Yeah, your mom that you just had this lovely, intimate conversation with. <laughs> It did give us a nice little insight into what it would look like when Craig and Faye break up, which I appreciated. 
from your lips to God's ears. But then they all start smiling and, oh, oh, we're just joking here. Oh, we love each other very much. Really? Tell your bodies that. (laughs) Moving on then. Geronimo! Stop it. Soft play. No, it's not that. It's soft play. No, Dylan would come to my birthday party. ASMR. We say that. Our to, final storyline. We say that to each other far too much. I'm one of these things that Adam is going to come at my birthday party. <laughs> one of these days we will eventually figure out what soft play is. Right. Our final storyline this morning. Well, I know what <clears> I think soft play is. What's it all about, Alfie? On Monday, Irwin dressing in the lawyer's office when Adam comes in. Oof, Fabrice, something quick, says Adam. He's worried that turning the place into a DOS house isn't a great look. Wait. What part of Imran smells? It's not like he's jogging in there. No, but he's been sleeping and farting probably all night. Do you think Imran farts? Yes, but it smells of roses. <laughs> and peppermints. Mm-mm. And sunshine. Imran explains that Elsie has been handed back to the social today. Meanwhile, Toya's in the bistro chatting to Leanne, who offers to be there when they hand the kid back, but Toya needs to do this on her own. She can't believe she's here again, giving up another kid. Imran catches up with Toya on the street. He's keen to be there for her when they give Elsie back to her handlers, but Toya refuses, telling her that she has her family there for support, which she's chosen not to use, but she doesn't say something. She's like, I have this if I want it. I don't need you. He goes to apologise again, and she tells him to keep his mouth shut. Swelsea so is thrown in the back of an unmarked black van by Lou the social worker while Toya continues to talk to the wee lassie like she's an adult and when they drive off, Toya breaks down. Toya goes round to the bistro feeling drained and there's only one thing for it in a situation like this. Alcohol. A large glass of red wine. In fact, give me the bottle. Oh no, it's white for her. <laughs> no, it was red. Was it? Mm. Later, mm. Toya smashed. Inman was the man of her dreams but he's just turned out to be a massive fucking disappointment. He's ruined her life and he needs to be told this. Leanne tries to talk her out of it. And she's sick to death of the scent of peppermints. <laughs> <coughs> but Toya storms out. Let's, let's not think about Toya's farts. Steak pie and... Patchouli. <laughs> Yes. But when she gets to the office, Adam tells her that Imran is off seeing Alfie. He tells Toya to take a seat and pops a kettle on. So Adam and Toya get chatting about the situation. Toya says that she could kill Imran. Adam calls Imran an idiot. So Toya throws herself on Adam, wrenching his face off just as Imran walks in. Adam says, Nothing's going on, and no one is trying to throw anyone off a shopping centre mezzanine here. And he leaves and he lets them chat. Right, because one woman misreading the messages of a man who's just being kind to her. Wasn't enough. We needed another one. <laughs> she tells Imran that he's turned her into a pathetic creature. He broke her heart. He wants to make things right. He loves her and thinks that she still loves him. But Toya can't play second fiddle to Abby Flaming Webster. Or your, Franklin or whatever her name is now. Your kid has a mum and that mum isn't me, she says. And she storms out. Oh, God. On Wednesday, Imran goes to see Alfie and Abby at hospital. The wee man seems to be on the mend. Imran announces that he's off to see a flat this morning. It's a three-bedroom bastard flat and he offers a place for Abby and Alfie if push comes to shove. Abby reacts badly to this, thinking that he's suggesting that she won't get custody. He says he's just looking out for his son, so she apologises. And blames it on being very tired because she's yawning a lot. At the factory, Toya has a hangover and it's only going to get worse when Sarah comes in asking for a word in the office. 
Toya apologises to Sarah, but Sarah isn't there to tear her strip off her. She just wanted to check to make sure that Toya was okay and to remind her that her feelings are valid too and she asks Toya to make sure she takes care of herself. Yes. Nicely done, Sarah. And makes sure that that she knows, that Sarah knows, that she's absolutely no threat to her. (laughs) Right. Imran runs into Kelly on the street and learns about her brush with morphine the other day. Luckily, Abby was there to wrestle the bottle out of my grip and hide it in her pocket when she thought it wasn't looking. Now, this isn't him learning about the morphine because Maria has already texted Imran and Toya about all of the Kelly stuff because Maria conveniently remembers that Imran and Toya were also Kelly's foster parents and maybe care about what's going on in her life. Right. Conveniently. Yes. This is when she remembers. Simran goes round to see Abby on the pretense of getting a copy of Alfie's birth certificate. So when Abby is off digging that out, Imran goes raking through her kitchen bin, searching for evidence of that morphine. Right. Abby just needs to not allow men into her flat ever again or make or have them come with her and never leave them out of her sight. It wasn't Kev levels because Imran didn't take a photograph of anything. No, but it was worse because he rifled through her trash. When... When Abby comes back and man quizzes her about the morphine, she claims she threw it away on Victoria Street. Then what's this? Seriously, Abby, why not just tell the flaming truth that you dumped it out and you threw it away in your own garbage? This is why you don't want to move in with me and he accuses her of using again. Right, because he can't imagine a woman not wanting to live with him. Sounds like it, doesn't it? She swears she didn't, but Imran doesn't believe her. So Imran accosts (sighs) Toya outside the factory. He doesn't go into the factory. He could. People do it all the time. But he meets Toya outside the factory and he explains that Abby's back on the muck and that he's going to apply for sole custody despite <laughs> telling Abby that he wasn't going to do that. Right. That's great, but why are you telling me, asks Toya. He says he wants to start a family with Alfie and Toya and he neglects to mention that he's asked Abby to move, move in with him a couple of hours previously, which I have a horrible feeling that's going to come back and bite somebody in the arse. All right. They go back home and he puts more flesh in the bones of this silly plan. This gives Toya what she wants, he says, a family. And she reacts badly to this, suggesting that he thinks that she's incomplete without a child. She says she could well, have been Well, that's ha- the way you've been acting, Toya. She says she could have been happy without children so long as she had him. But he fucked that when he fucked Abby. You can't buy me with your baby, she says. Erman says that he hasn't always been the best of men, but this is his chance to make sure that his kid is raised in a loving family. He loves Toya. He can't imagine doing this without her. She tells him to go, but she doesn't sound as angry as she once was. So to be so, Leanne is definitely not Team Imran and is shocked that Toya is even contemplating taking him back. Toya thinks this is basically what she wants, to raise a disadvantaged child. Yes, says Leanne, but not Abby's crack baby. <coughs> Ouch. Leanne gives her her back in because she's her sister. But have a think in a year's time looking at the Alfie's eyes and seeing Abby. Now, this is Leanne, let's remember. Leanne Battersby. Yeah. Right. Of the clan she, Battersby. She mentions, she mentions, you know, Oliver. And she mentions Sam and, and raising Sam, even though Sam isn't her own flesh and blood. She does not mention Simon, who is also not her flesh and blood, but is her legal adopted son. And it's also the result of infidelity. Mm. Isn't he? No. 
or was she the one who no. was the adulterer Simon, in that case? Simon was the result of bigamy. That's <laughs> complicated. I can't. I can't. That's complicated. I can't think. I, I can't decide if that's better or worse or just as bad. Let's just say it's something. And isn't bigamy technically adultery in a way? Because it's, it's, it's I guess it's more formal. <laughs> because one of those marriages is technically not legal. So you're only technically married to the first wife. Mm. We need to ask Tim about this. Anyway. <laughs> So this time Toya does go to the hospital and this time she is sitting right next to the incubator if she right. stares at Alfie. And a nurse who should know better because Abby has been there every single day mm-hmm. mistakes her for the mother. Mm-hmm. It's like, is this your first day? Is this your first shift, madam? Meanwhile, Abby goes to see Imran with a drugs test to prove that she's clean. Ha, says Abby. Wait a minute, says Imran. This is dated yesterday. It doesn't prove anything. Nice try, train spotting, says Imran. And Abby storms off. And also, before this scene happens... We have a scene with Abby, which we're meant to believe is her going off to score. But it's not. It's to get the drug test. They tricked you. They fooled you. They didn't fool me at all. Well, they think they fooled you. Oh, they can think what they like. I don't care. They, they did. They because did. Here's, what, here's, here's this. I thought this was so inconsequential. I chose not to mention it. <laughs> and now you bringing this up is uh, erasing all that time that I thought I was saving by ignoring it. <laughs> Yeah. And more. They 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 do a um they do a a frighten or they they tricking you. What what is it the dogs say when they bamboozle you? Oh, they did. She she did a bamboozle. Imran gets a, a heckin' bamboozle. Imran gets a text from Toya, so goes round to see her. She's given it some thought, and she's decided that what she wants is her, Imran, and Alfie. Imran comes in his pants a little bit. You won't regret this, he says. Oh. She's already regretting it. I love you. I love you too, says Toya. She looks like she's got something going on behind her eyes. Wheels are in motion here, I think. Is she planning something, I think? I'm not sure. Anyway, on Friday, Imran has wasted little time in his back home with Toya. The two of them wonder how to tell Abby, and they have another social worker meeting this morning. Let's hope it isn't Lou. Toya hopes that Abby's experience with the twins, Stan and Ollie, will help her see that adoption is the best route. Erman has to drop some stuff off with Adam, and Toya is instantly suspicious. Erman insists not. Adam was swamped with work what was fallen from a mall mezzanine the other week. Plus, there's a nice bookshop nearby. Surprise me, says Toya. Boo, says Erman. No, with a book, you idiot. And then doesn't. Well, doesn't. Do we ever. I, I wrote that down thinking that's definitely going to come up. Right, and, and because he doesn't come back with a book. Meanwhile, Abby is at the garage speaking to Kev, hoping to get started back at work and start earning some coins so she can take care of her kid. Kev is uncomfortable for a moment, but then adjusts his underpants and tells her, it's fine, and he apologises for the awful, awful thing that he said. And I can't remember what that was. There were so many, it's difficult to pick out. Right, yeah. and But he does not apologise for rooting through her bag and taking a picture of the birth certificate. No, he doesn't apologise for that. No, no. And then sending it to Toya. doesn't apologise for that. He gets even more ridiculous with it later with Toya, but never mind. Tyrone is less impressed by Abby starting back at work. Kev insists that anything that happened has nothing to do with the garage. Because only he's allowed to cheat on his spouse. Tyrone worries that Abby is already taking advantage by fucking off early for lunch. Says you coming in the half an hour late, says Kev. Yeah, and she's going to see her baby. 
I can't remember if it's the same social worker, but Imran and Toya handle the awkward questions well, especially when Toya loudly decides to announce that she and Imran are getting married. Everything is in the past now. And Imran smiles. Right, yeah. The social worker smiles. You didn't have to take that, that wee girl away from us and further traumatize her yesterday because we're back together again. Uh-huh. Only we only I didn't mention this to you yesterday when you took that wee girl that I loved so much away and traumatized both her and me. Oh my God, what is wrong with this? And also, I'm back with this guy that you reported to the law board the, last the, week for, for being... The big law advisory panel. Right, yes, for being unscrupulous by representing the mother of his own child, the social, which you shouldn't have known about anyway. The social think that now that Imran's name's on a birth certificate, they're going to withdraw the interim care order. So that's the thing. And it'll come into effect quickly and they'll get Alfie home. Piece of fucking piss, this says Toya. Who the daddy, says Imran. And he goes off to give Abby a call. This is going to be great. But at the hospital, Abby dingies Imran's call. Imran has left tons of messages with Abby, but it's Chloe from the social who calls to let them know that there's been a quick development in the Alfie case and the judge has already made his decision. And then we cut to the hospital where Abby gets a call from Elliot and she takes this call, learns that the ICO has been repealed and Alfie will be discharged into the care of Imran and Toya. Whoop, whoop. On the street, Abby meets Imran and Toya and it seems that she hasn't taken the news well, more so when she learns that Toya and Imran are back together and doing this as a team. Toya says that Alfie will be better cared off by them and Abby flies at her, having, having to be pulled off by Kev and Roy. But not like that. But also, you know, they, they point out that they've been trying to call her all day to talk to her about this, which maybe they should have done first before calling the social worker. Yeah. And also, you know, Toya makes sure to say, you'll always be involved in his life. This is not, we're not taking him away from you. We're just, wouldn't it, some, why does nobody say to Abby, look, it's better that he's with Imran than in the care of foster parents you don't know. Isn't right. that better? Right. Isn't this better? You actually get to see him. You wouldn't be able to see him if he was in foster care. Nobody points this out to her. Nope. No, no, everybody makes things worse, even Roy. Yeah, it's Roy, it's really. <laughs> don't know why he's got himself involved in this. Well, because I guess he feels responsible for Abby for because, the Tasha of, thing? because of the gun thing, the floating gun. Remember the floating gun? Oh, how can I forget? Leanne comes along to make sure that no one kicks the fuck out of Toya when Imran has to go back to work, and Abby storms off, and Roy goes after her. Abby is looking through her flat for some cider or some cider money, reckoning that Imran will definitely get custody for what with her being a nightmare and everything. And, and Roy, him being a big time lawyer. And Roy promises to go and get her some cider if she agrees not to leave the flat. It was kind of funny seeing Roy in his apron wandering about that flat. Does he still have his broom as well? I think he still is holding on to his broom. I don't think so, but he definitely had his apron on. I think he leans it against the wall, but he does bring it in. So Kev goes, he left it outside? That's getting stolen. Well, he left it in the inside wall. Kev goes to the bistro to be disappointed in Toya. How dare they steal Abby's baby? Wait a minute, it's Imran's baby too. Right. But Everybody keeps... Toya and Imran are the only people who keep pointing this out. That this is Imran's baby too. But Kev accuses her of deliberately trying to get Abby back on the muck. And if not her, then Imran. Not that Abby has a say in this or anything. Right, and forgets to point out that him overreacting to her having a one night stand and also sneaking, being sneaky in her flat and stealing the birth certificate and not just taking a photo of it, but sending that photo to Toya maybe might have something to do with this. 
Like, because Kevin's a dick and an asshole, and I hate him. Adam's pissed that a paralegal. And he has, has to blame a woman. Adam's pissed that a paralegal has dug up some dirt on his client, so he's lost the case. And he hands Imran the paralegal's card because that's normal behaviour. And Imran throws it in the trash. What strange little scene that was, Helen. Right, yeah, because um, conveniently the paralegal who has lost this client's case gave a card to that client right. Roy gets for back, some reason. Roy gets back to Abby's with, with some non-alcoholic cider and a potted clipping that he says is from a bush in Seb's memorial garden. But Symb- I like that. Symbolic of Abby struggling to be a parent for many years but making a success of it by the end. I gave you one job, says Abby. Roy thinks Abby has hope of getting Alfie if she avoids destructive urges. If not, then it's never going to happen. And he's got alcoholic cider too, but she must decide which one she wants. Back home, Toya is worried that they've made the wrong decision getting Alfie. And one says, you saw Abby, she's definitely back on the muck. This is definitely for the best. Alfie definitely deserves a fair crack at a good life with them. So Elliot goes to Abby's flat now and Abby has decided that she isn't interested in joint custody. She wants sole custody. Because it's what she deserves. So Abby finds Imran outside his flat and warns him that his relationship is a scam and he'll be begging for five seconds with Alfie in the park once she and Elliot are done. I'll see you in court. Right, and she says, it's my blood running through his veins. And Imran not once says, wait a second, it's also my blood running through his veins. Right. What are you talking about? Yeah, and she says, I had six, I've got six months. Six months that she didn't know she was pregnant, or so, or so we're led to believe. Right, yeah. Back at the law office, Imran is on the phone to Toya, telling her that Alfie's safety is the priority no matter what it takes. And then he fishes uh, that paralegal's card from the garbage and gives him a call. He has some digging for that paralegal to do, it would seem. And dum, that dum, dum. is how we end this week's episodes. Oh, God. This storyline. Which one? This one. This one. This one. I gave it the benefit of the doubt for so long because it was really dredging up some emotional stuff i still roll my eyes at the whole abby didn't know she was pregnant thing of course and was not showing thing right but this just because it makes sense for the baby to go with his father who isn't a drug addict right and abby we know abby is technically not a drug addict anymore that she just kind of fell off the wagon there at the end she's well, a she's a she's destroyer a rec- of people though she's a recovering drug addict but the fact that they say okay we're going to do the right thing and we're going to talk to abby before anybody else can and then it backfires because apparently in this one situation the bureaucracy and the social services department works wicked fast oh yeah faster than lightning faster faster than it takes to process fast, one form faster than greased lightning i would say oh they've switched the sloths for the <laughs> for the bunny rabbits in the in that department you know which is ridiculous and stupid and unrealistic I'm it's go- unrealistic even if he's the father for them to say well wait a second you know, for them to say, oh, well, yeah, obviously it'll be dropped and everything because you're a fine, upstanding young man who's never done drugs or cheated on anybody or stuff. Everyone sucks here. Everyone sucks here. And I think I need somebody not to suck so I can root for them. And again. But everyone sucks here. And again, they're making all of these women crazy for babies in a way that's just really insulting. As as a mother 
and as a woman for because I think it's far more interesting that Faye had a frank discussion with Craig saying, yeah, you know what? You're right. I don't want a baby right now either. Mm -hmm. We definitely should wait. It's telling that they're the reasonable people when it comes to offspring. Yeah, I would have far rather that story ended at that point. Right. It's, eh. You know, it's like... But everyone sucks here because... Everyone Im- sucks Imran, here. Imran tries to get Abby and Alfie and his, his new bachelor pad. Right. And doesn't tell Toya about it. No, hasn't told Toya about that part. And has no plans to tell Toya no, about this because, part. No, because Abby turned him down. So... Because Abby turned him down, he then decides that, well, Toya's going to do now, which seems a very strange... Well, he always wanted to get Toya back. But the fact that, you know, here Abby has done this noble thing in getting that morphine off of Kelly, it is ridiculous that she does not throw that away immediately or hand it to Gary. I was really surprised that she... That That she left with it, yeah. That she left with it, that she didn't hand it back to Gary and say, keep an eye on this, you dump this out, you be responsible for this. Right, that was ridiculous. Or that Gary doesn't say, well, where is the morphine now? Yeah, I'm screaming at the TV at this point for someone to say that. Because Abby is in a situation where she desperately wants to keep her child. She knows what she has to do. She knows she needs to keep her nose clean. Why would she hold on to that? Why would she not? Why would it not be her first priority to get rid of it? Do you think she took it? No, I don't think she took it because I don't think she would have been awake enough to get to the hospital to sit by Alfie and read a book. She was yawning an awful lot. Yeah, but that bottle was empty. That bottle, which had been full, was empty. If she took all of that morphine, She'd be in the morgue. I don't know if she maybe took some of it, but I don't think she did. I don't think she did, and I I think that if she had, she may not have been honest with Imran. But when Imran said, "No, I don't believe you," she wouldn't have been obsessing to prove that she hadn't been on the morphine. And I feel like if him if he was he was like, "Well, wait a second, this was from yesterday. This proves nothing." Why she didn't say, "All right, well." Let's go down and, and do it. I can pee in another cup. I have more urine. Morphine stays in the urine for like five days. I looked this up just for the storyline. Oh, you did? And which surprised me because I th- I honestly thought that only weed showed up in, in urine. I didn't think that there was a whole bunch of other stuff right. that shows up in the urine. You know, it's like kind of like with the whole summer thing. This has become more dramatic than it needs to to be a compelling story. Yeah. It was already a compelling story. If Imran had said because he he put his name on the birth certificate. If he had said at that point, look, I'm going to put my name on the birth certificate. It doesn't look great for you. You know, and he's he might be put in care would you mind if I went for custody and then you could stay with us or you could be, you, you could be there every day, but at least it wouldn't be ideal for you, but at least you'd be get to see your son every day as opposed to never with a foster family. Yeah. And I think there's enough drama could be created out of that situation to keep us happy. Right. And this has really been the, the kind of feeling of the show and a lot of their storylines recently is that they, they dial it up 
too many notches. Too many notches. And there, or there's always another story at the end of the story that right that kind of ruins. Or, or what's they're piling happened. upon right. one character, like with Summer, mm. and like what they did with Asha. They and pile Abby. right, and yeah, and Amy. You know, they pile on, t- and uh, yes, Abby and Yasmin. I see. I see. Ex- I, don't see ex- a, I don't see a pattern. At I all. see. A, I see a pattern there, no, except with the exception no. of Addy. With the exception of Addy. Yeah, he wasn't really piled on. No, no, you're right. He there is, wasn't. There is, but there's still no pattern. Really? No, yeah, that, that doesn't exist. Really? Really? But <clears throat> it, it just... You have really good and valid and interesting storylines and you just bury them under a pile of garbage because you think that's what your viewers want. Totally ignoring who your viewers are. I like the fact that it does seem like they have made the younger people on the show, with the exception of Summer, a bit more enlightened. Mm-hmm. You know, Faye, for all of her faults, is willing to say, I don't want a baby right now. And, and you know, and take ownership there. Amy, very enlightened, you know. I... It's, so I give I give kind of give the show credit for that because it, it does seem to acknowledge that younger people do tend to have a firmer grasp on on what they want and a firmer grasp on what being female presenting means, you know, in today's day and age. And it's just I've seen so many complaints about the show and about like how everybody's so baby crazy. And can we please stop with all of the babies now? Because we know what's going to happen. They give us these babies and then they kill them. Or they kill the mother. Or they kill the mother. Yeah. You know, we all know that's going to happen at some point. You know, at least thank God with Faye, it wasn't a miscarriage. It was a non-existent baby. Mm-hmm. So... It just, it makes me sad because this, the actors on the show deserve better, especially when it comes to I just want, Sally just, just, and Georgia and, and we've um, had, Charlie. We've like, had so many stories this week where this has been, this has totally been the case where it just, and one of them just don't dial it up and see how that works out. Maybe, right. maybe it'll work out fine. And you know what, if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You've got all these other storylines that you've dialed up far too far. That's kind of what they've done with Kelly. They're, at this point, there was a point where it seemed like they were just piling on Kelly and piling on Kelly and piling on Kelly with the home, homeless thing, which is kind of what makes some of the stuff that's going on in her storyline now. Yeah, well, two funerals in two weeks. Or ridiculous. That's a little bit pylonish. But, but they could have been so much more melodramatic and and stuff. They They could be dialing this up to 11, but they're really focusing here on Kelly and her grief and coming to grips with the fact that she loved these two very flawed people because they were her parents, but they were very flawed people, and she feels like she needs to do something right. about that. They're, they've been handling that quite well. I yeah. wish that that was the case with all of the other storylines, and it's just not. Agreed. I'm getting sleepy now. That yeah. was the week that Me was too. Coronation Street. What was your moment of the week? You know what? I think it's Craig and Beth. I think it's Craig 
talking to his mother about him not wanting, you know, to go through what, what she went through and, and them having this really frank and intimate and lovely discussion between the two of them. I think it really is. I think that's my moment of the week. You're, you're stunned into silence. Fuck me ragged. That is our... Moment of the week. Our moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Is, that, is it also Craig and Beth? No. 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 It's Summer saying revision and not understanding what the Great Gatsby is. Oh, bloody hell, that Great Gatsby thing really got me. Oh, God, I was tits. so pissed off. That is our... Boring moment of the week. Is that proof that Daniel's a bad teacher? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I haven't really thought about it, but I'm going to say yes. Because he's her lit teacher, yes? English teacher, yeah. Yeah. Well, that about wraps up for another week then. We will uh, hopefully... We are be, the pirates. We'll hopefully be back anything. in our normal slots. And our, not that anybody notices. No, we are a bit slap happy though tonight. I guess. Anyway, if you want to get in contact with us, we're the talk of the sheet at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the sheet. <gasps> Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more. The talk of the street. The talk of the street. Bye. Cheerio.